everybody studied the word since you was here last. Mm-hmm. Good. Very good. We're gonna we're gonna have a good time in the word tonight. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, we're continuing uh, seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible. Isn't that right? And last time we were studying uh, a new book. Which book were we studying last time? We were studying in the book of Psalms, right? Uh, is the book of Psalms long or short? It's long, exactly, exactly. And it's long and full of good stuff, isn't it? Amen. Glory. Yes, it is. And uh, we learned some things last week. We're going to learn some more stuff tonight. How about that? Is that good? That is good. So, so since, since some people said that they studied some since we were here last, uh, who can tell me what a psalm is? It's a poem set to music. All right. Yes. It's a poem set to music, okay? And, uh, and, and so, is it a rhyme? It's not necessarily a rhyme, but it is poetic, okay? It, it's poetic. How many of you read the book of Psalms? Very good. How many of you enjoy the book of Psalms? Yes. And, and, and does anybody know why the book of Psalms appeals to us so much? Because it, it's something in there for everything we need, right? You can find something in the book of Psalms that meets the needs that you might have, that, that connects with, the book of Psalms connects with our what? Our hearts. It connects with our hearts. And is the book of Psalms supernatural? Yes. yes, it is supernatural. How do we know it's supernatural? Every time you read it, you can get something different. Even when you don't feel like reading it and you start to read it, it begins to change you. Correct? And we've all experienced that. So, so, uh, uh, we're learning these things and we're experiencing these things. The book of Psalms is a book, is a song book. How many songs are in this book? 119. How many? 150. 150, right? I'm hearing all kinds of things, but it's 150, right? Okay, it's 150. So, so then what's the longest What's the longest book? What's the longest? What's the longest song in the book? 119. Okay. Somebody's jumping ahead. Yes. Uh, right. Psalm 119. Is a, what is the shortest? <laughs> All right. Let's let's turn to Psalm 117. Let's turn this on 117. Psalm 117. Psalm 117, verse 1. 
Are you there? Psalm 117 says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Is there any more to it? Is there any more to this Psalm 117? Is there more? What's the next verse? What's the next verse? What's the next verse? Psalm 118. There is, no, no, there is another verse. How many verses? Two. And, and you know, when I, when I was growing up in school, they read, we, we read the Bible in school every day when I was growing up. And it was a big honor and excitement to be able to read the Bible because if you got to read the Bible, that meant you were a good reader. <laughs> and, and sometimes I would pick Psalm 117 because the teacher wanted us to read like 10 verses. And uh, so I was smarty pants. I'm going to read Psalm 117, the whole thing. And I got to verse 2, and then she looked at me like, where's the rest of it? I was like, that's the end. That's the end. That's the end. So that's why I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten that Psalm 117 is the shortest. 119 is the longest. Okay. All right. Psalm 119 is so long, it's been divided up. Because it's so many verses in Psalm 119. Nevertheless, we're going on. So we got 150 Psalms. And who were the writers? David was one of the writers. Hmm? Moses was one of the writers. Who else? Ezra. Asaph. Y'all remember me mentioning him? as one of the writers of the Psalms. And when you're reading the book of Psalms, uh, be at the beginning of almost every chapter or the beginning of every song, there is a notation that tells you who the person is that wrote it. Okay, who the person is that wrote it. Um, sometimes it'll say a Psalm of David. Sometimes it'll say a Psalm of, 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 of uh, Moses. Sometimes it'll say a song of Asaph or one of the other people that wrote the songs. Okay. What kind of stringed instruments did they play the songs on? Harps? No pianos. There were stringed instruments, yes, stringed instruments, and piano had string, but they didn't have piano then, right? When these songs were written, all right? So stringed instruments, harps, other stringed instruments, lyras, psalteries, instruments that have strings. Guitar, okay, do we see a lot of that today, right? So we have lots of stringed instruments that we use now, okay? Because uh, we don't have harps in, uh, available all the time, do we? No. How many of you have seen a real one? Yes. Okay. Um, but but in, in that time, in biblical times, they used hearts that were small, like handheld. Like you could hold it in your hand and play it. Okay. Uh, did you have to have some skill? You had to have some skill to be able to play a harp, right? Because if somebody brought you a harp, could you play it right now? No. No. Not I. <laughs> okay. So you had to be skilled, and, and um, 
How did they learn the songs? Hmm? Did they, did they have a hymn book? Huh? No, they didn't have a hymn book. So how'd they learn them? Somebody wrote them out for them. Or what else? Hmm? Okay, by repetition. Okay, somebody had to tell, it, tell them what the words were and they had to repeat them. Correct? I mean, you just say, oh, this is a book of songs and you got all these songs, then you realize when they were written, there were no hymn books. <laughs> so they had to learn them. How many of you have memorized any of the songs? Y'all have memorized one. Tell me the one you didn't memorize. The 23rd song. The 23rd song. Okay, everybody, I'm down with that. I got the 23rd song. I can say it, I can sing it, I can do whatever. It's, it, that's mine. Okay? But when they were, but when they were written and, and when they were, were at their inception, there was no book for them to read. And they didn't have to, they didn't only memorize one, how many did they have to memorize? <laughs> 150 if they used them all, however many they were using in that service at that time. How about that? Did you think about that? He's like, no, I just go open my, open my Bible to the middle, fall open the Psalms, I read it. <laughs> but when the Psalms were written to be sung, somebody had to teach it to others and they had to memorize the words. And even if somebody was scribing and writing them down, did they just pass them out to everybody? Did they have enough to go around and just pass out to everybody that was singing? No. So if you were a singer singing songs back in that day, did you have to really want to? Yes. Yes. Because it required some effort on your part. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as we, as we go forward tonight, okay? So, let's, let's do a little bit of that right now, because I, I don't want the time to get away, and I, I will not have shared this with you. So, we're looking for Jesus in the book of Psalms, but we're going to look at some of these Psalms, these poems that are set to music, played on string instruments, and I want you to see how serious these Psalms really were then, and should be to us now, okay? So let's turn in our Bibles to First Chronicles. The book of First Chronicles. And chapter 25. Are you there? Anybody else there? I heard Pastor say he's there. Anybody else there? Okay, very good. Very good. Okay. Now, this particular chapter, uh, and this particular chapter in First Chronicles, chapter 25, this chapter 25 talks about uh, the, the assignment of the musicians. And it talks about King David assigning musicians and singers. Assigning what? Musicians and singers. 
For what? To learn. And what else? To serve. Okay. To serve where? To serve at the tabernacle when they had what? Service. Yeah, come on, service. Yeah, when they had service, okay? So, so um, in that day, um, the service of musicians and singers was not anybody, everybody come on and sing. Anybody, everybody come on and play instrument, okay? And you're going to see, you're going to see something that I think is really cool. All right. So, 1 Chronicles chapter 25, and it, in my Bible above it, it says, David assigns musicians. Okay? And it says, verse, chapter, verse 1, Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Haman and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, psalteries, and with cymbals. Uh, David separated to the service the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun for the purpose of prophesying with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. They were doing what? Prophesying with harps, symbols, and psalteries. Who, the sons of who? Asaph's sons were assigned to do what? Prophesy with harps, psalteries, symbols. Okay? So, so what are they doing when they're making music? They're supposed to be prophesying. What does that mean that they're supposed to be prophesying? They're supposed to be speaking the word, singing the word, sharing the word. And where were they supposed to be getting this word from? They were supposed to be getting it, were they supposed to get it from the Bible? Why weren't they supposed to get it from the Bible? Because it hadn't been written. So where were they supposed to prophesy from? They had to get the word from God. Here's King David assigning people, the sons of Asaph, the sons of two other men that we'll talk about in a minute, assigning their sons to prophesy on instruments. So if, you, if you're going to prophesy, what do you have to have yourself? The Spirit of God. And what else do you have to have yourself? You got to have some kind of relationship. Okay? They, they didn't have the word that they could read themselves, but they had to have some kind of what? Relationship. Because could they, speak, could they prophesy without talking to God? What would happen if they prophesied without talking to God? They, they, might, they might not wake up breathing. <laughs> because what, would that, what kind of prophecy would that be? It would be a false prophecy. So here they are. 
being, here are the sons of three worship leaders being assigned to prophesy on their instruments. Okay? Are you seeing this? All right. It says, and the, and the number of the workmen according to their service was, and then it goes on to tell us about the sons of Asaph that were prophesying and playing instruments, musicians, and the sons of, of Heman and the sons of Jeduthun, who all were musicians, okay? So, let me read verse two. Of the sons of Asaph, and in, uh, it starts naming all their, all their sons. How, how is it that, this, that the sons of Asaph could be musicians like their father? They were taught, what else? The anointing, the anointing. Because, because, because these people were of what tribe? What tribe? Judah. They were of the tribe of Judah. What does Judah mean? Praise. Praise. So here, first we're talking about the sons of Asaph, okay? And, and, and how did they learn to be musicians? You some say from, the, from their father, okay? All right. Let's go on. Verse 2, the sons of Asaph, Zachor, and Joseph, and Nethaniah, and Asarela, the sons of Asaph, under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king. What did that mean that the sons did? They did what they, they, did what they were instructed to do. Because who, who, who put the order in motion? David the king, okay? told Asaph, and then Asaph told his sons, right? Start learning this music. Okay, all right, go to verse three. Of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Jedaliah, Zeri, Jeshiah, Hashbaiah, and, <laughs> and Mattathiah. Six under the hands of their father, Jedithin, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to what? And to praise the Lord. Verse 4, of Heman, the sons of Heman. And then it lists all his sons named Bukiah and Nim. Bukiah and Nim. Okay. Verse 5. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer in the words of God, to lift up the horn, and God gave them... Okay, stop right there. Who was Heman? The king's seer. What was a seer in that age? A prophet. A prophet. So Heman is a prophet and a musician. So could he teach his sons how to prophesy on instruments? Yes, because he did it himself. And who commanded then that it be done? David the king. 
But before they could do that, they had to have a relationship with God. They had to know how to do what? Pray, seek the face of God, because could, because could their father go in and prophesy a lie to the king? No, he couldn't do that. So then, could they prophesy a lie on their instruments or when they sang the songs? So what kind of people did these, did these men have to be? Obedient, that's one. What, what other kind of people did they have to be? I can't hear you. Consecrated, set apart. They had to be what? The H word. Holy. Holy. Just to be a musician, just to be a singer. All right. All these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, in the words of God, to lift up the horn. And God gave to Heman 14 sons and three daughters. And all the sons were musicians. Verse 6. All these were under the hands of their father for song in the house of the Lord. Meaning what? They were under the hands of their father to do what? For song in the house of the Lord. To play songs, to sing songs. How many of them it was? Fourteen. That belonged to Haman, right? Okay, we're not done. Okay, they were under the hands of their father in the house of the Lord with cymbals, psalteries, and harps for the service of the house of God according to the king's order to Asaph, Jedithan, and Heman. Verse 7, And the number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning. What does cunning mean? Skilled. Sharp. Okay? The number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning, was two hundred, four score, and eight. Two hundred and how many? Two hundred eighty-eight. The sons of how many men? Three. Oh, my Lord. The sons and their sons and their sons. Okay? Okay, not just not just the three the three big daddies. Okay? Because then they had because they each one of them had like 14, 15 sons, right? That's enough for one man, all right? So then they, they it went down to the next level and down to the next level. So within their family, did they need anybody else to come sing or play music? No, because, because Asaph and Haman and Jedithan were the chief musicians. They were the chief musicians. And they raised up musicians in their house. How is it that they all were cunning? They were skilled, they were trained. What tribe were they of? Judah, which means praise, which means what was, what was 
what was in their bloodline. Skill, what kind of skill? Anointed skill to do what? To praise and worship, to serve, to sing, and to play. Have you ever seen a family where, where everybody in the family can sing? Yeah. Have you ever been in a family where everybody can play something? Even if you can't just clap their hand, everybody can play something. You ever seen a family like that? How many of you know a family like that? You'd be like, oh my God, like the Winans, right? They all, every last one of them. Every, I mean, they can do it by themselves. They can do it with one another. They can, and what do they do? Do they just sing songs? No. They play, they write, they compose. They were raised to do what? Praise, Praise the Lord. And to be what at it? Skillful, skilled. And, and in the biblical model, they were taught by who? Who taught Asaph's sons how to, how, to, how to serve in music? Their father. Who taught Heman's kids how to serve in music? Their father. Who taught Jedithan's sons how to serve in music? Their father. Because they were anointed. Right? Does anointing mean that then you don't have to, that you don't have to pray? Does anointed mean you don't have to humble yourself before God? Does, does anointed mean you can just fall up in some place and start serving? No. So, now, so, so here we've got 200 and how many? 288 trained people to serve um, in the tabernacle. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 8. 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verse 8. And they cast lots, ward against ward, as well the small as, as the great, the teacher as the scholar. What does that mean? It means that, that there's 288 of them. Can 288 of them serve all at the same time? No. So they set up a system where, where they would take turns serving. So no one person had to serve all the time. Because how many musicians did they have in that church? 288. And they took turns. So did they have to serve very often? Not very often. But when it was their turn, they best to be on point and ready. Because were they serving with ragtag people that just fall up in church and say, I'm, I'm on the choir? No, they were serving among their kinfolk and they all were gifted and talented and trained. And their fathers over them did not play. 
because they wanted, they wanted all their kids to stay alive. They didn't want them going up in the, falling up in the church house, serving any kind of way, after being out all Saturday night, tore up. They, they, they was none of that. And all of these 288 sons of the chief musicians were trained to learn what? Not just music, but song. And what were the songs that they learned? Praise and worship songs. And, and where did they get the praise and worship songs from? Hmm? From the Psalms. Turn to the book of Psalms. That's where, so let's turn to the book of Psalms. Are you there? Okay. This is the songbook. This is their songbook. How many songs did they have to learn? 150. Oh, Jesus. Right. So, we see that, that, that the musicians and the singers were established by King David when the tabernacle was built in preparation for when the temple would be built so that the praise and the worship would be what? Anointed. And what else? Raggedy? Excellent. Excellent. Performed by skillful people. Now, was King David the only person who wrote Psalms? No, he wasn't. We talked about that last time. Other people were writing psalms back at that, at that time. So, so, so some of these psalms that they, that they were singing weren't just the ones that their fathers wrote or that King David wrote. There were songs that were written by Moses, by Ezra, by Solomon, by even anonymous writers. To give what to God? Praise, glory, honor, worship. So, was praise and worship taken lightly? Was it taken lightly? No. It had to be excellent. The people who were, doing, who, who were serving had to be excellent. And, and, and it was, I love the fact that it was a self-governing uh, uh, music ministry because, because everybody was a trained musician. So nobody could come in and fake it. And nobody could fake their relationship with God. Why not? Because it would show, right? And it would affect everything. And there was a check and a balance in the team. Glory to God. Okay. Oh, oh, by the way, why, why, why was David the one to select musicians in the first place when, in, his, in his lifetime? Why was he the one? I mean, he was the king. We know that he was the king. He was skilled 
in music and worship. What else was he skilled in? Instruments? Yes. He was skilled in what else? Writing. The word. So could he recognize a singer when he heard one? <laughs> could he recognize somebody with musical talent when they played the instruments? Yes. How come he assigned people to get other people? Hmm? He couldn't do it all by himself. So he assigned people that were close to him to raise up their families. So that there would be what? Excellence in the house of God, no matter what. Now, were these people perfect? No, they were not perfect. Was King David perfect? Uh, no. But what did he have? What kind of heart did he have? A heart after God. And he had a heart after God, but did he have a relationship with God? Yes. What kind of relationship did King David have with God that could be an example to the musicians that he raised up? He had a relationship with God. What kind of relationship was it? Personal, very personal. What else was the relationship like? Very intimate, very open-hearted, very transparent. How do we know the relationship that David had with God was transparent? Because when David messed up, he didn't try to hide it. He would just tell it. He would say, Lord, I, done, I did this, 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 this. Forgive me. Are we good? Okay. And then, and then, and then did he stay depressed for the next six months? No. No. Why, why didn't he stay depressed for the next six months? He gave it to God, and he was in relationship with God. What kind of relationship did he have with God? Heart relationship, intimate relationship. Okay, let's look at one last thing. Back to the book of Psalms. Hmm. Hallelujah. You learning something tonight? Wonderful. All right. Okay. Are you there? Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is a song, y'all. Don't forget. Okay? A Psalm of David. I don't know if your Bible has a note in it, but mine does. And this song was for the chief musician to teach to the other musicians. It says, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. What does that mean? That means this is a song that David wrote while he was weeping and crying and repenting for messing up. Are you getting this? Okay. All right. 
Psalm 51 verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before thee. Anybody ever read this before? Verse 4, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Verse 5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Verse 6, behold, thou desirest what? Truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know what? Wisdom. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now stop right there. Remember, did he read this to the Lord? He sang it. He sang it. He wrote it and then he sang it. He played and he sang. He sang that song. Sang it! Okay? Verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. What is he being? Transparent. Transparent. What are we supposed to be when we go before the Lord? Transparent. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence, and what? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12, read everybody, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free Spirit. With thy what? Thy free spirit. Verse 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. What does that mean he's going to do after he receives? Share with others. Share with others. Communicate with others that they can have, a, they can have an open-hearted relationship with God. That they can come to God even after they've done something terrible. Can we do the same thing? We can do the same thing. Who made it possible for us to do the same thing? Jesus. Jesus made it possible for us to do the same thing. That we can pour out our heart, be transparent. And how long is it going to take for the Lord to get over what we did? It's not going to take him no time to get over it. He's already over it. He's already over it. What does the Bible say? He has loved us with what kind of love? Everlasting love. That never runs out, never goes away, always available. Everlasting. All we have to do is receive. All we have to do is receive the grace of God, receive the forgiveness of God, receive the love of God, and continue on in our relationship. 
with him. And, this, and, and David had such a relationship that he could mess up royally and write a song and then sing it unto the Lord with total transparency. So whatever, whatever you've experienced and, it, and, it, and, you did, and it, it wasn't all good, it wasn't all right, it wasn't all perfect, be transparent before the Lord with it and about it. Because he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a love that will not let you go. Because Jesus loves us. This we know. For the Bible tells us so. We'll continue next time. God bless you all.